This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new book, The Posthuman Data Guide, Zara and Lenin Play Chess, our guest today, Andre Kodrascu, creates his own Dada-esque guide to Dada and to what it can teach us about surviving our ultra-connected present and future. Kodrascu is an award-winning writer and national public radio commentator. He's also the McCurdy Distinguished Professor of English at Louisiana State University and the editor-in-chief of Exquisite Corpse, a journal of letters and life. Andre Kodrascu, welcome to Weekly Signals. Thank you. Uh, Thank how, you. How are you doing this morning? Well, I had my cup of coffee, so I'm ready for you guys, wherever you are. <laughs> well, we're having our coffee here, too. How, how's, Louis, how's Louisiana this morning? Well, it's, you know, it's usually muggy, soupy. Uh, you know, you can drink the air with a spoon, and things are growing like crazy everywhere. It's spring. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Now, now, for the uninitiated, can you uh, give us a definition of Dada, if that's possible? Well, Dada uh, was a movement of artists and writers uh, founded in Zurich in the middle of World War I uh, in 1915, 1916, and uh, its main founder and uh, uh, probably the genius behind it all was a Romanian uh, Jewish boy named Tristan Sara, who was 20 years old and was running away from the army uh didn't want to be killed in World War One. went to Zurich and found a city full of uh, exiles and uh, revolutionaries and conspirators and spies and uh, hangers-on and prostitutes and riffraff from all over the Europe who are uh, fleeing the war to neutral Switzerland. And there he met Lenin, who was also living there under a pseudonym waiting for uh, the signal to go back to Russia and... Uh, uh, start the Bolshevik Revolution. So Dada was born in the middle of the war, and it was a movement of uh, a total theater of artists and poets and painters and architects who decided that everything that had gone on in art or in Western art for centuries was garbage because it just led to war, and they were determined to make a new thing, and they called it Dada by opening a book. <laughs> According to some, opening the Petit Larousse and finding the word Dada, which means uh, a toy. It was a French hobby horse for uh-huh. children, the children's toy. Or, according to others, was the Russian and Romanian word for yes, which is Da. So Da, Da means yes, yes. Yeah. So those... Um, uh, Tristan Zara, with the help of uh, Marcel Yanko, Romanian... Uh, architect and uh, painter, and uh, the, a German contingent led by Hugo Ball, straight from revolutionary Berlin, set out to make trouble in Zurich, Switzerland in 1916. Now, did, they, uh, did they really uh, believe that art led to war? How, how, how much of, a, uh, you know, of their philosophy is based on that? Or were they just believing the entire system had collapsed into this war and, and art was what they expressed it through? 
Well, they believe that the conventions of art led to war. Um, That's the way art was being uh, performed and and sold uh, had become uh, just a support for people, ideologues who are leading us into war or leading them into war and us. (laughs) <laughs> because the conventions keep going on, but uh, it wasn't. They they didn't uh, uh, um, abandon art entirely, but they uh, they thought that art should uh, be as relevant as the latest uh, science, and uh, it should be as interesting as uh, the paradoxes inherent in people. Now, now I know they they considered it an anti-art, but. There, there's something informed about their anti-art, in, informed art-wise about their anti-art that separates it from people that just don't, I, I don't want to say just don't get art, but don't appreciate art. Uh, can, can you just uh, define that uh, difference? Well, they were well informed because uh, in uh, Tristan Zara came from... Uh, uh, Romania, which was a European country where all the uh, art since uh, people started reading and making it uh, was present. Uh, there were translations. Uh, Romanians were very uh, in the know. They knew about symbolism. They, they knew. They had read the Futurist Manifesto in 1909. There was a traditional kind of um, autochtonic nationalist art that was being uh, that was being displayed in painting, and there was patriotic poetry, and there was quite a bit of uh, folklore of various kinds. So art was around in various kinds of forms, but uh, Tristan Zara and his friends felt that something radical had to be done about. Uh, uh, about it, and it was a means actually of uh, accessing a, a, um, another kind of mind. So some some of their efforts went in the direction of uh, recovering the archaic, the old uh, ritual uh, poetry and music and performance of uh, of uh, pre-Christian religion, religious communities, and part of it was. Uh, being extremely modern, so they put together really uh, the, the the ancient ritual with the machine, with uh, pal- the Paleolithic, with the cybernetic, <laughs> as, as far as they had access to it at that time. We're speaking with Andre Kodrescu. The book is the Post-Human Data Guide: Zara and Lenin Play Chess. And, and you mentioned Zara is from Romania. Uh, you are also from Romania, yes. Yeah, we're all other, you know, uh-huh. the whole country. Is that, they, they, <laughs> is, is that so? You you can't get citizenship there unless <laughs> you can get citizenship there if you're an absurd person. <laughs> uh, I don't do, know if you do you if you wanted, but uh, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. you have to take a test. <laughs> Lenin, um, you know, Lenin and Zara were in Zurich at the same time, and they did play chess. So uh-huh. the title of the book is actually very. Um, yeah, accurate. Mm-hmm. Now, now, you mentioned, uh, you know, the Dada was ancient ris- ritual, and, and you bring chess into that. Is there any uh, ancient ris- ritual to the game of chess that you're, you're playing throughout? Well, what it was was that all these refugees from all over the place uh, and, and plotters and spies in Zurich in 1915 had very small places to live in, so they, they spent most of their time in Café de la Terrasse and in Café de l'Odeon. 
And Cafe de la Terrasse was both Tara uh, and Lenin's favorite hangout. And what uh, everyone did was play chess when, and smoke and watch each other. <laughs> and uh, Tara and Lenin probably played chess because they're both chess players. They're not very great chess players. But in that atmosphere, of the crowded atmosphere of Zurich in those years, chess was a way to be alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, the chess players... Uh, were alone at the table in their minds. They played the game. They're surrounded by kibitzers. <laughs> and but they, you know, it's a, it's a sort of a meditation and in an emergency. So, you know. now, now um, you, you're just saying that they, they they actually did play chess. Now this is two years uh, before the Russian Revolution. Are you saying 1915? Is that correct? Right. right. Um, how well were they known. Uh, how well was Lenin known at the time that that this was going? That they were sitting in that cafe playing chess. Well, Lenin was not uh, very well known. He was living in uh, Switzerland under, under a pseudonym, uh, but he was restless, and so he tried. At some point, he thought that maybe uh, the Russian Revolution wouldn't succeed, and there should be a revolution in Switzerland, which was an insane idea because. The Swiss are too bourgeois, and too, they'd had already two revolutions, and they were quite happy with their with their with the state of their with the latest incarnation of a revolution. Is that what you, they were? They were happy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he did go around and make speeches and uh, and and recount in detail uh, uh, various kinds of uh, European uh, European revolutionary moments. But mostly, what Lenin did when he was in Switzerland was. Uh, uh, read and write, and uh, he used the wonderful libraries in Zurich to uh, to study German economists and to reread Karl Marx and to make notes. And he wrote a number of articles and manifestos and that were being published in Russia and preparing the ground for 1917. When he did go back with the help of the German high command, which had uh, an interest in. Um, destabilizing Russia as a war power, and Lenin uh, and Radek and Zinoviev, his, his comrades, who were all in, in Zurich at the time, received uh, free passage from the Germans and uh, were taken to Russia, where uh, they were able to uh, lead the revolution. Uh, Tara, of course, um, and Kabarevo, Tara and, and Hugo Ball had formed this performance space, Cabaret Voltaire, in Zurich, and they were making a lot of trouble, and they, were, they, they had big drunk evenings with uh, poetry and music, and the uh, Swiss police was much more interested in Tsara and the Dadaists than they were in these quiet revolutionaries who uh, didn't make much trouble, but <laughs> were quietly waiting to turn the world upside down in their own way. Yeah, uh, yeah now to, to what extent did... Um did Zara was he known? I mean, uh, be, uh, this Cabaret Voltaire was the the vehicle by which he had become known to the greater public. Um, but I'm just this this idea that they, these two hugely influential people were sitting in a cafe playing chess. How much of an influ- influence did one have over the other? Did was there? Do you do you see? Do you see uh, Dada elements d- in the Dada, Russian Revolution? Yeah. Do you see <laughs> that in any of Lenin's writings, or is there? I mean, there's. A, no, I, they were working parallel tracks. I don't think they had any uh, real knowledge of each other. The, Tristan Zara was 20 years old and Lenin was in his 30s. Uh, okay. They they were pursuing very different ends, but 
Sarah was creating an art revolution, which was based really on, on negation, on negativity, on uh, overthrowing old uh, art forms, and on the really liberating the forms of expression. Uh, Lenin was working in, uh, in an ideological vein in, ex in a very opposite sense. He was working on a European Western logic that led through uh, an analysis of capitalism and society to to a dictatorship of the proletariat, and so they were, they were dynamically opposed. Whether I, I mean, they didn't know each other uh, what they were doing, but the chess game symbolically was very yeah. important because it was a it was a battle between art and ideology, yeah. and art, as represented by Tara and Cabaret Voltaire, was uh, was was pursuing the irrational. The unconscious, the spontaneous, the old connections to to mysteries, and Lenin was pursuing uh, the radical Western uh, Western dialectical reason, reason tradition, and so um, you know, in the end, uh, for the, all of the 20th century, Leninism seemed to be the winner of the chess game because uh, the Soviet Union. Um, Lasted until 1991, so the century belonged. The 20th century belonged to Lenin. The 21st century, however, I think belongs to Taras. So in the end, I think that Dadaism and Cabaret Voltaire won that particular chess game. We're speaking with Andre Kordjasu. The book is the Posthuman Dada Guide: Zara and Lenin Play Chess. And you said uh, the 21st century belongs to Zara. Uh, why do you say that? What have we done so far that uh, that makes us Dadaist? Well, what we've done is to uh, to to pursue a number of new forms that uh, uh, and to become uh, much more connected to uh, uh, in ways that are not even conceivable back then. The Dadaists always talked about uh, uh, something called T-mail, which is telepathic mail. Of being able to connect just through thoughts and through at, at great speed, something that they they inherited from the futurists, and we certainly have that. We have the, we can communicate at the speed of light. We are connected in various ways to um, uh, to, an, to an electronic body. Uh, so this is what I mean by post-human in in the sense that we are now maybe 60% flesh and 40% electronic or vice versa. So I think that uh, the art forms that, uh, that, that this, this generative impulse that Dada uh, set in motion is uh, actually our, 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 our way into the future where the, the, the logical Western uh, uh, path of... Um, of, of economic law is not so. Uh, this this is what I see uh, as heading, you know. Hopefully, and uh, well, well, there, you know, are there yeah. ways to tear down that that uh, economic structure that that you can point to in the book? Is there a, a guide here for for what we can do about that? Yeah, there is actually because uh, there is a fairly detailed description of uh, the uh, uh, the economies that Lenin was reading. Foremost, of course, uh, Karl Marx's Das Kapital, and uh, there is uh, there are various uh, uh, citations from Sara's writings on uh, 
what uh, a, a liberated society would look like and what the the economy of a world based on art and spontaneity and artistic exchange would look like. And so there are, you know, there are very, there's just a stark contrast between the two economies. And it's, um, you know, I, I think it's in there. <laughs> so. and then, uh, Andre, you, you, have, you have identified for uh, Nathan, at least Nathan and I, in our discussions about the, the future of the, the world, how we're going to survive uh, as a, the, the, the looming ecological collapse of the world. And to, to me, the central question is, how do we redefine wealth? How, do we, how is it that we can make a world that is not, uh, wealth is not based on consumption, the accumulation of material, uh, and, and order, to, how do we get over that paradigm? And well, that's you know that's exactly the question. That's yeah. that's really the central question, and uh, uh, I think that the answer is in uh, is in changing uh, an economy based on 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 this these sort of artificial units of value like uh, the dollar or gold to an economy based on uh, on art and exchange of uh, of poetries and uh, creative work. Uh, I think. I think that's already going on in, the, in 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 many communities looking to 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 their non-human resources, in other words, to nature, to to and Dada uh, made a big connection between the inhuman sources that make us possible things like nature and uh, dream and uh, poetry and the unconscious and so on, which I, I call inhuman, but so so did they. But uh, these are, I think, I think these are the resources, you know, for for making a, 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 a well, if if not a, a yeah. fair world, a more interesting one. I'm just, I'm just, I just, I'm trying to imagine that transition. And uh, you know, does it does it have to be a total collapse of the economy, or, or can there be something that would be progressively moving us in that direction before we get to the, a point where where the material wealth just collapses because we can't sustain it any longer. Well, you know, that's again, you know, the good question. I mean, yeah. I would like to I would like to think that we can we can uh, gradually hybridize and yeah. and uh and use a uh, a variety of uh, of energy sources that we could transition our flesh bodies to 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 more complex uh more complex creatures in a in a gradual way, but you know i I think that the historic record shows great collapses that that uh, release a great deal of energy f- uh, from which come different kinds of societies so you know i you know on monday i 'm an optimist on tuesday not you know, <laughs> and we caught you on can we call you back next well, Monday? We'll call you Monday, next Monday. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I think we're at the crossroads now, though. You know, I think this is an incredibly interesting time, and this, you know, I, I thought it was a timely discussion to have in this book because yeah. there are, you know, there are very strict economic ideas on the table, and there are also uh, this sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, looser uh, uh Apocalyptic scenarios, and so, but you know, it's not a very hopeful time and a very scary one. So I don't, yeah. I'm not sure. 
Well, well, the thing that that I look at when I see what's going on in our attempts to fix the the economy and the economy of the world at this point is I see an attempt to sort of spackle over a lot of these these very in inbred uh, system system issues or system problems, and we're and we're really just trying to patch it back together in the hopes that we can continue to consume as much oil and and uh, whatever else we've been consuming. To keep it limping along until until it really does finally fall over, and and, and Dada was about sabotage yeah. and about tearing down yeah. all that. Yeah. Right, I, I think that's that's what makes it so appropriate these days. And and I know you mentioned uh, in in other talks just the the, the continuation of, of Dada through uh, punk and post punk, and and it's it's alive today. What do you, what do you think uh, keeps it alive? Where other art movements te- seem to disappear. What keeps it alive? It's the it's the impossibility to define it. I yeah. I don't think uh, uh, Dada uh, has become historical. Surrealism has, futurism has, all these avant-garde movements have been taken uh, to museums and safely tucked away because uh, they 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 produce recognizable forms. And I think Dada was such a a radical negation that he just simply didn't create enough collectible styles and so the energy of the of of of, of the revolt is is fresh and it attracts young people and you know it's i mean to this i mean i've been teaching for quite some time and it's really the only uh uh artistic or or you know text group of texts that i can teach to my students that, that can really really turn them on without having to make them feel uh, like they're being lectured at. That, that's wonderful. It, Even though, in one part, it's uh, the definition of it is not taking education seriously, which I think is in in uh, bolden the, the students in a way. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that. Uh, you, you know, clearly the education that Tristan Zara or anyone uh, received in the at the end of the nineteenth century was was insufficient. I mean, he himself. Came from a, a shtetl culture on the edges of the uh, Austro-Hungarian and, and Russian empires, where uh, he was Jewish, and uh, that was already a, um, a condition in which you had to question absolutely everything, yes. and uh, especially the kind of official education that the empires promoted. So, um, I was going to say, before, before we let you go, I, I want you to talk a little bit about Exquisite Corpse, the, the journal that you are editing, uh, and, and how is that going, and, and where, where do you see the future of that? Well, it's uh, corpse.org. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so, that's a, great, uh, a, a great URL there. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, uh, or corpse.org, O-R-G is the... <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it's a journal that uh, I named it after a game of collaboration, a surrealist game of collaboration. The Dada's um, uh, played it as well, uh, and the magazine has published just uh, and still does what's, whatever we find fresh and interesting, and um, which is you know been doing it for a while, so. Uh, I think it will be online for another year or so, and then I don't know. I was, I was trying to kill it for a while, but Are you trying to kill? <laughs> I have to kill a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, it is icecorpse.org. There you go. Yep. Now, 
just before we, we let you go, uh, and I, I got another one before we let you go, but it, what's the future hold for us here? You know, there's a big question, but but given Dadaism, are you looking for a, uh, forward to a future where where uh, people are, are having more fun with their lives? Is that really what we're looking to? Well, that's we're looking for what time when we have more fun and we are more integrated with our vegetables and our air. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the ecological question is, is is fundamental, but it's so tied into um, to 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 the artistic uh, one that uh, I don't think you can separate them. I don't think you can have um, a profitable ecology. Really, you can have a, a, a harmonious. And use and useless one, but uh, I'm not sure that the, the this this hopes of making green money is uh, really valid. Mm-hmm. The book is the Posthuman Data Guide. Zara and Lennon play chess. It's a wonderful book. Andre Kodrescu, thank you so much for being with us today on Weekly Signals. Yeah, oh, listen, my pleasure. Yeah, To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.